Before we start today's Saturday simulcast with Mike Carmen and Tom Deanhart, some really good news for the Purdue basketball family this morning that Gene Cady was named to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. So congratulations to the coach. So well-deserved. I had the opportunity to work for Gene for a couple of years uh, in his first two years at Purdue and obviously had been around him for a long time. And I think a lot of us were concerned that uh, this wasn't going to happen or wasn't going to happen in the living years. I spoke with Bruce Weber and he also said the same sentiment, but uh, I think everybody is extremely happy that Gene Cady becomes just the second Purdue basketball coach to make the Naismith Hall of Fame. Of course, Piggy Lambert got it back in 1960, and not many Purdue players have made it. Stretch Murphy, John Wooden, uh, as well as players, uh, are the only two players to have made the Hall of Fame. So a great accomplishment for Gene Cady, and certainly makes for a happier Saturday. So on to the interview with Mike Carmen. Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. It's really a Saturday recording today with Mike uh, Carmen uh, live from Houston, of all places, uh, joining us on the front of this one. Thank the Union Club Hotel, the 811 Bistro, and the Boiler Up Bar. And Tom Deanhart will join us for segment two after spring football scrimmage today. So we'll get a chance to talk to him and get his reaction of, of something he's not going to see. But he's at least going to talk to Ryan Walters. That's, that's normal. That's normal. That's normal. That's, that's <laughs> the way it works uh, from that standpoint. But Mike, you're you're a busy man, and we have a lot of topics. And I know you got a day ahead of you today, but it's uh, interesting. Uh, we'll start with uh, what you covered last night, Friday night, with Miles Colvin in uh, obviously the slam dunk contest. Uh, he finished runner up or finished second. Uh, just your observations. Uh, you know, in a very Broad stroke world, uh, he's he's that athlete, right? He's terrific in terms of that. But what what, what were your impressions of him and how he handled the finishing runner up and uh, put on quite a show in this story you posted on uh, goldenblack.com? Well, I mean, he had four dunks and he had three perfect scores from a yeah. panel of judges who I have no idea who they are or <laughs> what, what their credibility are, what credibility is. Uh, but you know, he enjoyed the experience and. I have no idea how this will translate into his freshman season because dunking is not something you have a, a game plan for or you go out and, and, and practice or Matt Painter does not draw plays for, for players to dunk. Uh, but it did showcase just how athletic of a, a player he is. And it, it's something that Purdue needs. Anybody that watched Purdue this year uh, that had a great year, uh, but they were kind of missing a piece of someone that could uh, get the ball to the rim. Uh, when your three-point shot is not falling, uh, do something else. And, uh, you know, I think he, he has the ability to help on defense as well, you know, being able to to, to potentially guard some some players um, equal of his athletic ability. Uh, he seems to have taken that part of his game, a lot of pride into it uh, during his senior year. Now, guarding seniors in high school and guarding juniors in college, or 25-year-olds, whoever who's ever on the <laughs> on the rosters, uh, is different. So I mean, he's got he's got a learning curve. He's got a lot of work to do, and you know where he fits in with next year's team. But he does he brings he brings an uh, an aspect of athletic ability that you know this team this team needs. 
Yeah, I, I think too, and, it, and again, without being there, but it, it, maybe also just because of the way the season ended, and this is maybe laying a little bit too much, but just some 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 positive energy too. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about Zach eating the awards he's going to win, uh, but uh, it certainly is a, a, a if you're a Purdue fan, maybe a, a positive. Uh, it is a positive development, and uh, maybe a little bit of a breath of fresh air, having to endure the last couple of weeks of the tournament, and you're not involved. Uh, uh, that can't hurt the psyche of just the whole program, I don't think. No, and then you had Cam Heidi, who I, yeah. I think is sneaky athletic, uh, just based on watching practice and watching warm-ups and stuff. Now he's not being defended <laughs> by anybody, but that's that's two players that give you something maybe you didn't have enough of uh, this season. But it, it will be – It'll be interesting how both those guys fit in to next year's team once we kind of figure out what next year's team is gonna is gonna <laughs> is gonna look like. But you know they're gonna they're gonna play a role and um, but yeah it just it does maybe take a little bit of the sting. I mean we're we're a few we're we're almost a month not a month but we're three weeks away from from what happens and you know I think people have turned the page and they're trying to figure out you know okay what what does Purdue need to do when they're faced with this situation, because if Zach comes back, they're a top five team in the country. Uh, you're headed for another top seed in the NCAA tournament, and then you're headed for another double digit seed in the first round. So you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've got to start looking ahead of how you can get past this point and kind of shake this thing, the stigma that this program has right now. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point and something that, what was the environment like last night? Of course, I think it's going to be air on Sunday, if I, right. if I understand it right. But what was it? A lot, was it a big crowd? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I was just curious. I, I was, uh, read, saw your tweets, et cetera. Yeah, a decent crowd. Uh, it was it's a, it was held in a kind of a music venue, uh, which probably was an old gym at one time. Yeah. Uh, it had a balcony, but most of the fans were, were down in the floor level. Um you know they made they made enough noise and all that kind of stuff, and of course the announcer was uh, encouraging them to make some noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I never attended one of those events, so I I don't know, have anything to compare it to. But as you remember, Fletcher Lawyer won the three point shooting yeah. contest a year ago, uh, so we'll see what uh, we'll see. But it was it was a good environment, and you know everybody was into it. It was just uh, you know it's kind of a nice event that. Uh, you know, Miles and uh, and Carr actually played together on three on three with the USA basketball. So they were they had that little competition going, and then of course Carr's going to Michigan State. So it'll be a better judge of athleticism when they when they <laughs> yeah. square off on the floor. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see watch those two uh, uh, face off against one another. Of course, Zach Eady won the AP uh national player of the year there more awards are going to stack up uh, give us a little bit of the itinerary just on saturday but also sunday too the naismith comes around uh he's certainly the odds on favorite if not uh, really likely to get those as well to talk a little bit about that yeah that you know they they spread these awards out a little bit as yeah. far as announcing them uh the usbwa which zach is a heavy favorite to win uh gets announced saturday uh, the AP was announced the other day, but he'll get that trophy on Saturday as well. Then the Naismith will be announced. I don't know if they announced that before their ceremony, which is Sunday, Yeah. Uh, also in Houston. And then the Wooden Award is a week from this weekend. And, um, but I think they announced that before the actual banquet ceremony. 
but yeah, he's he's cleaning up right <laughs> now. Um, I don't I don't know physically how they get all these trophies back uh, to, yeah. to Purdue. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know they'll stack them on the charter plane somewhere, or they get their own seat. I, I does someone have to stay behind because yeah. Zach's got all these awards. Uh, but yeah, he got into town yesterday, and he had uh, there was a dinner last night for Naismith winners, and then there's a tweet out there with him and Bill Walton chatting it up. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, um, so uh, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of a uh, lot of people, you know, like Zach, and they want to talk to him. I don't, I don't think he'll be going to the games tonight. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's, he, I mean, when you see him walking down the street, you know who he is. I mean, there's, Can't miss there's, him. <laughs> there's no, I think he, he may be bigger than the Astrodome now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> after, after seeing the Astrodome yesterday, get dwarfed by that uh, dome stadium they have here. But yeah, Zach's gonna, gonna clean up and, uh, hopefully get a chance to talk to him today. Uh, just asking. Kind of where he's at in the process, and then also just—I mean, this has kind of been a whirlwind for him, yeah. Uh, winning these awards, I know when he won the Big Ten Player of the Year, he was—you know—he took some time to kind of reflect on that, and now you added all these national awards to it. Um, I—I would—I would imagine it's a bit, you know, humbling to, to you know, six years ago he just started playing basketball. <laughs> it's a good, and now amazing story. And now he's collecting all this hardware for National Player of the Year, and. You know, I hope he I hope he's soaking it up. You know, it's one of those things where you know, in two or three years, you it really hits you. But I just hope he's taking time to kind of enjoy what's going on here. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the Purdue Charter or whatever he flew down, and they've they probably accounted for the weight of all this. So take a figure. And welcome to America, so to speak, when you get time with Bill Walton. I, I hope his head's not spinning. I, I I actually enjoy Bill Walton in his own in his own approach to things. But I, I got I'd love to know what Bill. The one photo I saw yesterday at Twitter that uh, God knows what he's tell, talking to him about. But and I uh, would just warn people today: today is April Fool's. Yes, it so is. So if you're seeing things about Zach doing A, B, or C, take a take a step back. And think about think about what today is, okay. Yeah, and just. I think I think Dan Dockett is going to take the day off too. So uh, that was uh, maybe that will keep that at bay a little bit from that standpoint. Uh, Zachy, unbelievable story. It remains as such. You know, we're, right. we're close enough to it here that we kind of I don't think we take it for granted, but it's still really and i'm you know stating the obvious here an unbelievable story. And just so uh, we're clear, I mean, Zach basically has two options. Go yeah. pro or stay at Purdue. He's not. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the whole yeah, thing, yeah, and yeah. not to get on Dockage, but mm-hmm. and uh, you know, come on. I mean, this is the, that was one thing even I could figure out. He ain't going <laughs> to the portal. I mean, right. uh, and now Hunter Dickinson is, and that was uh, surprising. Your reaction to that? Just again, is that just the way? Uh, you know, you've obviously covered Big Ten basketball at a very high level here, but uh, did that surprise you? And uh, any feeling of where, you know, I've referred Georgetown, North Carolina. Obviously, Purdue was uh, very much in the hunt for him back in the day, and I'm not saying that's happening. But what how, how, what was your reaction to that? I was surprised a little bit. Um, but, you know, after you think about it, nothing really is a surprise with, with the portal and the way players can – can go have a new experience and uh, you know he's been there a long time a new voice in his head maybe from a from a coaching standpoint if it, if it is Georgetown he, you know 
Cooley's a good guy and a good coach, and that that would help. He's from that area, so that that kind of would fit in. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but Michigan's going to be hit with a bit of a rebuild here because uh, you know they lost Jet Howard to the NBA. Uh, they're going to lose Hunter Dickinson. You know, what does Kobe Buff can do? Yeah. Um, and they did pick up a, I think a transfer guard from Alabama right. uh, this week. But you know they've got some retooling to do, and that's you know that's just the nature now of the of the game. And you know you, you've got to you've got to adjust. adjust. Purdue's in a pretty good situation because you know I, they're going to have some turnover on the roster, but it's not. I don't think it's going to be major type of major in, in terms of numbers. Uh, where you have to go out and replace a bunch of people, and I would just say this about Hunter Dickinson coming to Purdue. I think mm-hmm. Purdue's had it had its share of yeah. the word Dickinson here in the last month or so, so they don't need another. They don't need, they don't, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> they, don't, they, they don't need that uh, no, it, coming in right now. But yeah, he did. It, it wouldn't be. I mean, there's really no spot for him at Purdue uh, like that. But you know, NIL will probably rule his decision, sure. um, as it will with everyone. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, from a big 10 standpoint, it, it hurts because you're losing a marquee player, but if you're trying to win the league, you know, it creates a bit of an opening for some teams. Yeah, no question. All right. Speaking of great performances and you got to watch the second half last night and nobody knows women's basketball, uh, certainly in, in, from the producer in the big 10 sphere, better than you, Caitlin Clark, uh, unreal performance last night in their, in the Hawkeyes win over South Carolina. You know, and, and looking at it again, if also that broad stroke, and I'm not minimizing anything we were talking offline about. She plays basketball. She plays basketball like Carson Edwards does with a better passer, certainly. But she just put on a, another uh, clinic, and 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 what? And we talked also offline a little bit about why the, why women's basketball is really getting a toehold. Your theory is, I think, very well founded about what happened with COVID. But talk about her maybe the role of Big Ten, and maybe how that might help Purdue continue to raise its level uh, with Katie Geralds and the company just because of the notoriety the league is going to have with having a, having a two teams in the Final Four. Well, Caitlin's got the moxie of Carson Edwards, not afraid <laughs> to shoot from no. wherever. I mean, she had, <laughs> she had a few logo threes uh, last night from in the second half that I that I saw, and I yeah I told somebody earlier in the day that she's going to have to hit some logo threes for them to win. Yeah. And, you know, the fact she put up 40 uh, against arguably the best defense in, in women's college basketball, they have, yeah. you know, they've just overwhelmed teams with their defense uh, this year. And for, for, for her and Iowa to put up the points that they did, but that's how they, they needed to win. They were not going to win a 50 to 45 game. They needed to get in the seventies, potentially in the eighties to, to win that game. But she's a special, special player. She's probably a once in a, I don't say generation, but she's a once in a decade uh, type type player yeah. that has really um, taken the sport by storm, elevated the play of not only Iowa's program, but the Big Ten programs as well and brought shined a, shined a big spotlight on what's going on, not only at Iowa, but in the Big Ten. And that that can help all the programs as well. And to have, you know, to have a Big Ten team in the championship game again, it's been Oh, I think 05 was the last time. Yeah. Now you, we're, I, I'm not counting Maryland in this because yeah, when they won their. National I don't like it. Yeah, they weren't in the they, Big Ten. They were not in the Big Ten. Um, so Purdue's the only team right now, only program to win a national championship on the women's side, uh, in the Big Ten, and Iowa can make it 
you know, number two on Sunday against a really good LSU team. And interesting to have to go through a, a Maryland player, uh, Angel Reese, who transferred to yeah. LSU at the, uh, in the offseason. But uh, Caitlin is, she's matured, I think. She's gotten stronger. She doesn't, teams, teams played her physically with physical, physical presence uh, early in her career. She got knocked around a lot. She didn't, I didn't think she handled it very well. Um, but I think she's matured and has learned to handle it. And she's gotten stronger, both physically and mentally, uh, to put her in that kind of position, you know, extremely hard worker. And yeah. I mean, you know, Katie Jones would love, you know, that's the goal of Katie Jones, go find a Caitlin Clark type player to kind of bring your program up. And that, you know, one player can do that in a hurry, you know, but everybody's searching for that player, that type of player, but you go through, um, you know, you go through these things, you know, Paige Becker's from UConn's been out and she's on Caitlin Clark's level um, as far as, you know, talent goes. So the women's game has uh, a lot of that right now. And I think that's where people kind of migrate uh, in this sport. They migrate to individuals more than they do teams, unless you're rooting for a specific team. But just the casual viewer, the casual fan will migrate towards a Caitlin Clark because they just they enjoy watching her play, how she how she plays the game, the effort that she puts forth. So I think that has a lot to do with kind of the momentum that um, the sport is gaining. And I would really like to see, from a television standpoint, them kind of break away from the bundle that ESPN has with them and just get their championship, you know, bidded out to a, another network or. It, you know, it might be ESPN too, but they, they've done enough and I think they can generate enough revenue to, to be a standalone product for the NCAA instead of being bundled with the 90 other championships. championships that they have. Right. Just, I mean, the men's is separate. Uh, and of course, it's a big revenue generator. Uh, football is separate, but everything else is kind of bundled together. Um, and, it, you know, the networks get it kind of cheap that way. But I think women's basketball has reached a point where I think there should be a network or two interested in, in doing the whole championship. And if that happens, how does that look? How does that change? I'm sure ESPN would love to hang on to it uh, as much as they can uh, because they've, you know, they've been a part of the growth as well in showing every game uh, on TV. So uh, I kind of rambled on a lot of things no, that you I... asked me to ramble about, and I did. But your theory, too, and I, and I misspoke, Ohio State, there's only one Big Ten team in the Final Four, Ohio State have reached the Elite Eight uh, before getting beat. But, yeah, I mean, I think in, in your talk about, you know, what happened in COVID and, and that really brought another level to it. Talk about that and just the level. And, and again, I, you're, you're absolutely right. You can't, it's must-see TV if you like great competition and a player that just, uh, for lack of a term, balls out. She's, she's unbelievable to watch uh it's it's compelling compelling tv but to talk about that just the whole notion of what what went on in covid obviously and the disparity that uh, kind of raised the level of awareness too and on, on women's basketball yeah the, the covid situation where they were comparing the weight rooms the women really didn't have a weight room compared to what the men had and it brought the, the inequities out a lot and yeah it kind of gave them a platform to to push their sport forward again and it, it, it created a situation where the NCAA had to even it up. And yeah. they should have been evening, evening it up for a long time, but they didn't. But just the fact now that the women can use the March Madness logo and the trademark, which they didn't use before, I right. think is a huge benefit. 
but it, it also just created a big awareness about women's basketball and and what's there with the coaches speaking out about it. Um, it has led to this movement, and I think there's more and more interest in in women's basketball, women's sports in general. And I do, I firmly believe. I have no data to back this up, but I firmly yeah. believe that uh, <clears throat> sponsorships, because you have more women CEOs uh, in the country running companies, running businesses that want to put their dollars and associate it with uh, women's sports, women's basketball, because that's how they want to be aligned. Uh, and I think those opportunities are out there. Uh, if, if who's ever in charge of that would pursue that. I mean, they, the men have a long line of corporate sponsorships. <clears throat> and, you know, I think the women benefit from that a little bit. But I think uh, the NCAA could probably line up a long list of corporate sponsorships just for women's basketball or women's sports. Volleyball is another sport that probably down the line should have its own championship contract as well uh but yeah there's there's a groundswell that's really moving not fast but at a quick pace i think to, so these sports can benefit it benefit from it and their the athletes can benefit it as well yeah and last question you know purdue i always look at from a purdue perspective obviously purdue's got a good returning nucleus last year katie gerald's team did make the ncaa tournament uh, before being ousted by St. John in a very close game. But the tier effect, and again, you're asking, I'm, I'm commenting from someone that's very much on the periphery of watching it, but you have, uh, it seems to me that there is a little bit less of, you know, it used to always be UConn, Tennessee, to some, certainly South Carolina, and they were just heads, it seemed like heads and shoulders above everybody else. Are you finding that starting to even out? You know, I mean, Purdue still... You know, lost uh, this year, I don't know, roughly 20 points to Iowa, Indiana, et cetera, maybe even more at home to Indiana. But my point is, is that is that you see more of that coming together, too. Does the portal have some help uh, of balancing some of that out, too, in, in the long run? It does, and it will, because um, you're you're only a player away with yeah. a lot of instances. But, you know, Sunday's championship game won't have a number one seed in it. Yeah. Um, it'll, be, rare. It, it'll be a two and a three. Uh, and you had two number ones in the final four, uh, even though you had a first timer uh, in Virginia Tech, uh, which you know former Purdue player Keanu Trailer I think had a pretty yeah. good game uh, last night uh, for for Virginia Tech. Um, yeah, I mean it, these these things. Uh, UConn's still going to be UConn, and they're yeah. going to get Paige Beckers back next year. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I, I think someone wrote that. It was the end of UConn when they lost to Ohio State in the Sweet 16. I, I think they forgot who was sitting on the bench. Yeah, uh, UConn will be back. UConn's not going away. Uh, Tennessee's crawling its way back uh, to, to trying to get to the level that it was. But it, you're seeing new faces. You're seeing some new teams uh, reach the the national stage a lot more. You know, South Carolina, you know, was they're not going away, right? But they, I mean, they they were kind of the the mini modern day UConn here where they right. won 47 in a row and, uh, and, and now they get beat. I, I don't think it's a watershed moment like it was when UConn had its hundred game winning streak snapped uh, a few years ago, but it's still a significant moment for, for the sport. But, you know, things, you know, things need to, to pick up a little bit. And I think you're going to see more and more new phases with Katie's program that took a step forward this year. 
you know, they need to take another step forward next year, contend for the top four in the Big Ten, um, you know, maybe win a game or two in the NCAA. But it's going it's still going to be kind of a slow process. And, you know, she's she's perusing the the portal as we speak, trying yeah. to figure out who can fit. There's some options that have come available here over the last week that I'm pretty sure she'll be involved in uh, that can really help their team. And, you know, she needs a kind of a game changer to to, to help elevate that. And uh, we'll see what that see what that does. And I think there's some, some things coming down the pike for her program that will help, you know, solidify maybe some some in-state recruiting that uh, uh, that will, you know, keep Purdue uh, in focus in Indiana and trying to get the best kids out of the state. Yeah, it'll be an interesting storyline to watch. All right, thanks so much, Mike. We'll let you get back to your your awards uh, tour <laughs> and all, all that you're doing, uh, and we appreciate everything that you're doing in, in Houston and safe travels back. We will take a we're not going to take a short break. We're going to transition uh, electronically to Tom Deanhart and talk a little bit of Purdue football uh, following its Saturday scrimmage. And, and I know Tom had a chance to talk to Ryan Walters. It'd be interested to hear what he has to say. So stay tuned. We'll be back in uh, in a blink of an eye for the next segment of the Saturday simulcast. Tom Deanhart joins me, Alan Carpik here for uh, a little bit of spring football talk and more. Uh, I, I do because you're such, you've been such a longtime Purdue observer and uh, I uh, wanted to get your comments on Gene Cady. I mean, obviously your childhood uh, days, you had a chance to see him in Mackey Arena. Uh, it's quite an honor for Gene to get na- get named yeah. to the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame. I just want to get your quick reaction to that. Yeah, I tell you what, pretty cool. Um, like you said, Alan, I remember that first year, 1980-81, I was a sophomore in high school. He took over. And, uh, yeah, what, 25 years later, just to see what he accomplished. It's just nice to see him get this accolade, right? Yeah. Uh, he's around for everybody still to enjoy. He's, a, he's a, certainly a treasure to this community, this fan base, this alumni base, and, and to a lot, a lot of different communities as well. So uh, a true throwback, Alan. And, uh, again, it's nice to see him be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with all of his peers and to be uh, and to be recognized and honored this way. You know, you and I both and you more than I as a as a as a schoolboy athlete, but had coaches that made impact. You think about Gene Cady. He coached in high school, junior college. He coached low mid or mid major at Western Kentucky, came to Purdue. NBA, USA basketball. Bruce Weber, I got a chance to talk to him earlier today, and uh, he said, you know, that's that, this is a body of work award. Yes, he won 512 games at Purdue, but uh, this is a lifetime achievement award as a coach. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great way to put it, Alan, a lifetime achievement. Coaching so many different levels that you just talked about. Uh, and um, just a guy, again, um, that uh, that deserve this accolade. Uh, I remember there was a story, Alan. You probably recall this when he was thinking about taking the Purdue job. I think Al McGuire. Yeah, he said, "Don't do it. <laughs> Don't. Do You'll it. never beat Bob Knight. You'll never beat him. You'll you know what, Al? Him. He finished. I think he finished one game over five hundred against Indiana or against Bob Knight. I should say twenty-one and twenty. Yep. He yeah. So how about him. that? You know, and the fact that he had, you know, he went nose to nose with that guy for. Well, probably 20 years they, their careers overlapped, and he, he more than held his own against Coach Knight Allen. 
the Big Ten championships. I still love that that team we talk about, 1983-84 with Rowinski. Yeah. I love that the other teams, and I was in college too, the, the, the Lewis teams that were so good. Three number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Glenn Robinson. I mean, yeah. you can go on and on with not just the individual players, but the team achievements uh, were outstanding, Alan, and, and just the lives impact. And beyond all the all Big Ten players and the Big Ten championship trophies, there's probably hundreds of guys we know he's coached that that still really uh, are impacted by the lessons they learned playing for Gene Cady. Yeah, Bruce Weber is any any example. He said the coaching community is just over over overjoyed because it is it is yeah. an achievement and all that he has meant to a lot of different guys in different roles. Not always, you know, the A role. You know, heck, he was an assistant coach for Steve Lavin of all things. You know, you think about yeah, that. Yeah. You know, right. it's yeah. uh, he has truly done it all. All right. Yeah. A coach that's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but he is getting his feet wet. And Ryan Walters, you had a chance to talk to him today after Purdue's scrimmage. Uh, we got some pictures from Chad Crockover to, that uh, will at least know that a scrimmage did exist. But I, I wanted to get your feel. You've been around a lot of coaches for a long time. This is a guy that's just getting started. Is self-admitted, even in his six-minute talk today, he said, you know, this is new. This is new for me. But just your vibe from him early on. I mean, I know – you know, I've seen all of practice, but every time, every picture I see of him, everything we talk about, he's always throwing a football, has a smile on his face. But uh, just your early, your early uh, vibe and what you're, what you're hearing, not necessarily from an X's and O's standpoint, but just from a feel standpoint from Ryan Walters. Yeah, I think that energy, that vibe is a good way to put it, Al. And I think you definitely get a, a very positive vibe from Coach Walters and his entire staff. Uh, and we've talked many times about the youth that, that permeates the coaching staff as well. Uh, and that, 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 that may be a good thing in this sense of Purdue. It's different, Alan. Yeah, that's right. And, um, I think we're seeing some of that, that youthful vibe allow them to connect to the current roster. Um, that's the first-hand accounts we get talking to players and even support personnel that we talk to, at least I talk to from time to time. <laughs> as well. and, and on the recruiting trail too, right? Yeah, uh, making the, early returns. I think they had five commitments already. Yeah, and they're bringing in some pretty high-level guys almost daily here to West Lafayette. They had some a couple of real big timers here today, among about fifteen recruits. Uh, so yeah, I think um, again uh, the the youthful vibe from Coach Walters, a confident guy, Allen. Yes, uh, which is good. I'd rather have a confident head coach. All everything seems possible to the young and. And, uh, you know, you need a lot of energy to be a successful coach at this level, my friends, a lot of long yeah. hours. And uh, he's certainly going to be able to devote that to this program. And it's just going to kind of be fun to see how he imagines Purdue being and, 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 and if he can get this program to where he thinks it can. Because, Alan, he obviously is very intrigued by this job. When he got it, he goes, look, some people were trying to tell me this was a rebuild because this team just won the Big Ten West title last year. This is a good program. So I think he believes he still has a lot of good pieces here to work with. Yeah, interesting in that. So he certainly talks a lot, and not surprisingly, about number one, Hudson Card. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get your feel. Again, you get to watch him a little bit early at the early parts of practice, but also just that coach-player you know, uh, relationship. He He's not afraid to be pretty effusive in his early praise of yeah. Card. And <laughs> Card also, there's a lot riding on what uh, he can bring to the table. But uh, – uh, what insight do you bring to that? Or just from you know, watching the body language and also watching yeah. uh, Hudson Card spin it from time to time? 
effusive is a good way to put it as far as uh, to characterize Ryan Walters' praise of Hudson Card so far. Even offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, um, they, they have not been bashful, Alan, yeah. about uh, how they feel about Hudson Card from a positive standpoint, which is kind of a contrast. <laughs> Jeff, Rom, Jeff Romer would compliment people, but I guess he wasn't quite as effusive. Yeah, there you go. I guess it's just, uh, I guess it's, uh, it doesn't really matter in the end. Um, you want to, you want to have confidence in your guys, right? You want to express that confidence publicly, especially in your quarterback. Uh, it's no secret, Alan. There's a lot that rides on number one's shoulders this year. Um, he was the very first guy they went out and got. I mean, Alan, they really hadn't even hired Graham Harold yet. Yeah. Uh, that was done remotely, and and uh, Ryan Walters got on an airplane, flew to Texas, picked up Graham Harrell, who was recruiting from West Virginia, threw Graham Harrell a producer shirt, said, "We're going to Austin, Texas, to recruit Hudson Card." I mean, there was there was again that that kind of shows you the sense of urgency and how much they wanted this guy, how much they knew they needed this guy. So, um, yeah, they're going to be behind. They're going to be behind him one hundred percent, right? And uh, I've got to talk to Hudson a few times Yep. Uh, in formal settings um, after practices. And I caught up with him at that Boys and Girls Club event this last week, too. A real soft-spoken guy, Alan. Yeah. Um, seems, he seems very likable. Uh, from all accounts, he's well-liked by his teammates, too. So uh, um, his personality seems to be engaging. And I think physically, the talent on the field, like you said, you watch him throw. Very impressive. And Ryan Walters talked today too, Alan, about that ability to run the football, the ability to extend plays with your feet. And that's going to be a big part of what they want to do. So he seems to check a lot of the boxes. And um, this is his team, Alan. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. September 2nd, Fresno State, Ross Aid Stadium, number one will be under center. And uh, he's going to obviously have to play well if he wants to, to get back to the postseason 23. Yeah, no question on that. Okay, Nick Carraway, another one that has caught your attention and you had a chance yeah. to talk to him this week. He passes the eyeball test. He passed it last year and made some plays last year. I think he got some start, got a start to some things. I'm sure under Mark Hagan, uh, he learned some things as well, uh, yeah. though the speed of the game is always something you have to catch up to. Talk about not only Carraway, but a defense that uh, – you know Ryan Walters and company can knows how to coach defense. We're pretty sure that that's the case. But uh, defense is going to have some pieces to come, but uh, some guys that might uh, might be able to jump forward and Caraway might be one of those guys at jersey number five. Yeah, outside linebacker, the spot Nick Caraway and Corday Sidner are going to play in this defense, Alan. I think that could be maybe the strongest position on the D. Um, Kydren Jenkins hasn't practiced all spring. I don't suspect he will. He has a shoulder issue. He's going to figure in an OLB. Scotty Humpich will too, but he's another guy who's been out. Yeah. Um, Roman Pateri, the redshirt freshman from Louisiana, and, and Will Helt, the true freshman from Carmel. I really, I think those players there could be really special beginning the game with Sidnor and Caraway. But I'm going to say this, Alan, I think the defense has more questions than the offense, in my mind. The back seven, I should say, oh, I'm just going to say the secondary on defense, a lot of work has to be done there, Alan, yeah. especially a cornerback. I think they need at least two, maybe three corners out of the portal. I'd take a safety. Um, uh, I think they may want some help on the interior defensive line at nose tackler. I, th I think more so a defensive end and uh, maybe even an inside linebacker. But again, um, 
I think because those defensive coaching shops of Ryan Walters, I think that's already going to resonate or has resonated with some of the kids they brought in. And it should resonate with portal guys here too, yeah. Al. Now, April 15th, that's when the second window opens, April 15th to April 30th. And it was May 1st to the 15th, but that was changed in the fall. So that's the date, April 15th to circle. Now, grad transfers can always come and go as they please. And we saw that this week, Al. Yeah. Purdue shockingly lost Sione Finau, probably projected starting guard, who's going yeah. to leave the grad transfer. So, again, um, what I'm trying to say long-windedly here is I think Purdue's going to be very active in the portal here comes in the spring ball, Alan, and I think a lot of activity is going to probably take place on defense. And you've already hinted on this, and, I, and you know, just Brian Walters and Chops, as a, as a defensive back, you know, and, and what he brings to that. One would think that uh, depending on who's out there in the portal, that uh, Purdue's going to be an attractive place for a guy like yeah. that to come in and play because you're going to get uh, uh, good learning, so to speak, uh, not only from Ryan Walters, but from that staff. Especially in the secondary, which is what he coached. Look at the players yeah. he developed at Illinois. First-round draft choice in Devin Witherspoon, probably. Remember, they have the one kid coming from Stanford already. Yeah. So- Turner Muhammad, who's a cornerback. So he'll get here after he finishes up his work out in Palo Alto. That's one corner they have coming, but they need they need more help than that, Alan. So, yeah, and I think, again, his ability to sell what he's developed and what he's done throughout his career, I think is going to, you think would resonate with a lot of these guys in the portal. Yeah, that, right. You know, the one thing he's got that's going to resonate is I think he can sell playing time. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah I think he can. If you come, you're going to start. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, you're going to at least play a lot. So that, that that's what everybody likes to hear. That makes everybody sit up in their chair a little straighter. They all want to play ball. They all want to start. So I think he's going to be able to offer at least the opportunity, a very good opportunity, if you're not starting, at the very least, to play a lot if you're a cornerback especially. All right. Well, we'll let you get back to your day job, which has been all-encompassing you with spring ball and, and recruiting and all the work you're doing, the great work you're doing. We're grateful for that. I do hope you have a a good rest of your weekend. And all of you watching and listening, uh, please do the same. Enjoy the basketball games this weekend, Mm -hmm. both the men and women. Boy, Caitlin Clark, unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. Uh, She and Carson Edwards, I'd like to see them play one-on-one. But uh, that's fun to watch. It's really a fun weekend. There'll be a day, Tom. There'll be a day when Purdue is playing in this. Maybe if you and I both live long enough. Again, we've we've lived through a couple of them. But, uh, again, uh, it's a celebration of the best of uh, college athletics this weekend. So, Tom, thanks again. Thank the Union Club Hotel, the 811 Bistro. And uh, we appreciate them as well. And we'll be back next week with some more uh, scintillating topics, I'm sure. I, you know, I don't know. It's Easter weekend and whether we'll, what, we'll, what we'll put together. We might uh, get, take a week hiatus and go into, go into the uh, following week. But that's the good thing about this. You never know when we're going to show up. So, again, have a, have, a, have a great rest of your weekend, Tom. Thanks for all you do. Thanks to all our watchers and listeners. And uh, we'll uh, see you next time on our Saturday simulcast.